Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Monday, and it's time for Book Lights. Thanks so much for being here with us today. We have author Ellen Butler, who writes a fantastic mystery series with us today, and I can't wait for you to meet her. I'll read her bio here if you haven't read her yet so you can get to know her a little bit better. Ellen Butler is a number one international best-selling novelist writing edgy suspense mystery novels and sexy, sassy romance. She's the author of the award-winning Love California Style series, the best-selling and award-winning historical suspense The Brass Compass, and international best-selling Karina Cardinal Mystery Series. Ellen holds a master's degree in public administration and policy, and her history includes a long list of writing for dry but illuminating professional newsletters and windy papers on public policy. She's a member of the Office of Strategic Services Society, Sisters in Crime, Virginia Writers Club, and the International Thriller Writers. She's an admitted chocoholic and confesses to a penchant for shoe shopping. Ellen lives with her family in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., and I did put a link to Ellen's website right there on the Blog Talk site if you're listening live. Or if you're listening later, you can click that link anytime and check out her website. She's got a great blog there with lots of cool posts. I was reading up about Agatha Christie and learned some things I didn't know. Um, So anyway, be sure to swing by Ellen's site. And without any further delay, Ellen, are you there? I am. Thank you for having me, Lisa. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm excited to be here on Book Slate's radio show. And uh, appreciate you having me aboard. Yeah. So your most recent book is Pharaoh's Forgery, and that's part of the Karina Cardinal Mystery Series, right? Do you want to tell everybody why they should go grab a copy? Oh, yes. So Karina Cardinal Mysteries, that's the fourth book in the series. However, they can all stand alone, um, just like a James Bond book or something like that. It's got a bit of action, a bit of adventure to it. And uh, basically, Karina, who's had a a rough time of it lately, uh, goes on vacation. Only the vacation doesn't start out quite as it should because her sister um, has an accident and breaks her leg and isn't able to go on vacation with Karina. And she ends up going with her intrepid co-worker, Rodrigo, who's been on some adventures with her in the past. And um, everything should be fun and in the sun except for her kooky neighbor, Mrs. Thundermuffin, who asked her to pick up a package <laughs> just before she leaves, and then down to Mexico. And Karina's a little concerned about bringing a package, which she doesn't know what's inside, because she thinks initially, well, maybe it's drugs or something, and she opens the package to sneak a peek, and it turns out to be uh, an Egyptian death mask. So it's kind of an odd thing to be bringing down, and when Mrs. Uh, Thundermuffin calls and requests her to bring it down, things seem a little bit not on the up and up, a little bit shady. So Karina heads <laughs> down with the mask, and it attracts a whole bunch of conmen and other wackos chasing her and Rodrigo around and turns into quite an adventure. And uh, the reader, if you're at all interested in Egyptian artwork and that sort of thing, you find out a little bit of history and information about it. Oh, very cool. And how many books are going to be in the series? Do you know? 
well, I've just finished the fifth one. It is called Swindler's Revenge. And um, it actually takes place back in the Washington, D.C. area where Karina lives. It's, uh, she li- she's a D.C. lobbyist for a healthcare initiative. And um, so uh, it's involved a little bit more of her ex-boyfriend, who's an FBI agent, who is set up by a uh, former bad guy who got away. So all very heavy-cavy. And Karina gets pulled into that adventure just like she does into all the other ones because she's, um, let's just say one thing about Karina, she doesn't always make the best decisions, but she's very loyal to her friends. So she will do almost anything for them, even though they seem to drag her into one adventure after another, or as her ex-boyfriend would say, one harebrained scheme after another. (laughs) So what was your inspiration for Karina? Where did she come from? Oh, boy. Um, Well, part of Karina, so I used to work for a medical association in the Washington, D.C. area. I also did some, uh, I used to work for the senator on the Hill. So I've lived in the D.C. area for a very long time, and I wanted to set something in this area. And um, her first adventure is called Isabella's Painting. And that one came to me after I saw the last 10 minutes of a snippet of a documentary about the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. And I thought, and it's still an ongoing problem because uh, about $500 million worth of art was stolen during this heist back in 1990. And um, I thought, well, what would happen if a piece of artwork turned up and I, and my character happened to see this piece of artwork, what would she do about it? What would happen? Where would that go? So that was the first book that came to me. Um, and then the second book, I saw, <laughs> I saw a um, an ad on TV about um, a pharmaceutical company recalling pacemakers, you know, people's pacemakers because they could be hacked and oh turn into trouble for them. Oh yeah. So in the second book called Fatal Legislation, in the first chapter, a senator literally dies at Karina's feet because someone has hacked his pacemaker and, but she's a person of interest because it happened in front of her and, you know, shenanigans happen and all sorts of things happen. So, so like these little kernels of information. And I just knew that I wanted to create an amateur sleuth story here in the DC area. And so these little snippets and pieces that I run into turn into, so there's always something real um, in my books that inspires me to create a storyline around this little snippet or kernel of information. So um, <clears throat> just like in Pharaoh's Forgery, um, there was a museum fire down in Brazil and, oh gosh, thousands of artifacts were burned and just, it, it's very sad. Yeah. This was a real museum fire. And I thought, oh, what would have happened if maybe something didn't burn? So that's kind of oh, a little a little thing about Pharaoh's forgery. So, um, so I wanted to incorporate that fire into the novel. So, yeah, so every novel, and then at the end of every novel, because a lot of people enjoy this, um, for the Karina Cardinal novels, I always put an afterword or an author's note at the very end, and I tell you, like, kind of what the kernel of, of piece of information that started the idea and what the real things were about, you know, kind of what's real, what's fiction. So I tell you a little bit about that. Oh, that's the, so um, cool. 
in the back of the book for and people often that's what people often ask me about when um after they read my book they say oh well you know what can you tell me about this or i read about that and i heard about that and that's really cool that you worked it into a story so it's all fiction but it's kind of based on like some true things right right you get you get inspiration from life is crazy <laughs> yeah so people always say i don't know so, how you come up with that <laughs> yeah say, well, they i don't know how you real right <laughs> right yes and it's funny because i have some very good friends here in the area who work for uh, different agencies and police departments and that sort of thing that I often use to bounce ideas off of them and, and, and get information from them as I'm working on the books. And I really couldn't do without their valuable information. So I always know what the real piece of information is. And they've told me stories that are like far worse than my fiction. Cause I'll be <laughs> like, well, is this realistic? And they'll be like, well, here's a story I could tell you that's even crazier than that. <laughs> So sometimes truth is crazier than fiction. Right, yeah. yeah. So I was going to ask you, because you've written contemporary romance, historical fiction, and now you have this mystery series. Um, Are there other genres that you're dying to write? I mean, it sounds like you've, you know, put your toe in all kinds of things. I have, and I, I I will tell you, the historical fiction was kind of a passion project for me. It's a World War II spy novel, and that was inspired by uh, real spies of the USS and the, and the British SOE from the time period. And um, <clears throat> I kind of made an amalgamation of about three different spies and created that story. So, you know, it's funny. It took me a long time because I did a lot of deep research, and I love doing the historical fiction. Yeah. And I think I'm actually going to go back to that character and write a sequel to that. Um, but I'm still doing research for that <clears throat> character because I want it. You know, I want so much of it to be realistic, even though it's fiction. Um, so I do enjoy writing the historical fiction, uh, but I really I find it a little bit easier writing the contemporary. Because I right. can, you know, do do modern day, and I can have cell phones and <laughs> information right, like that. Right, right. You already so, know what kind um, of shoes they wear. <laughs> right. Yeah, because I also have a women's fiction as well among the among my books. Um, I haven't, even though I'm not writing specifically in the romance line right now, I do tend to try and weave maybe some sort of love interest into my stories. And Karina's been through a couple, actually. <laughs> I'm looking at her now and thinking, hmm. So there have been a couple of men that have woven or weaving in and out of uh, Karina's life. And uh, because of all her adventures and everything, she stumbles across. So, um, yeah, the fifth Karina, I, I think may be the last for a little while. I think I'm going to step back and look at doing some other things. I actually just finished a short story that takes place in 1956. Um in Rhode Island and it's called my interview with Grace Kelly. And it's a little murder mystery based around the um, filming of high society, which was filmed in Newport, Rhode Island in 1956, just before Grace Kelly married Prince Rainier. So oh. <laughs> I don't know why that came to me, but um, I, uh, I was, I had just watched the movie and I thought, and I started researching Grace Kelly and when she married Prince Rainier and found out that this was the last movie that they did and my parents used to live in Rhode Island, and so this 
little storyline kind of formed in my head. And uh, so I've submitted that short story to a couple of different places right now. So we'll see if that one gets published. If not, I'll throw it up on my blog at some point. <laughs> oh, very cool. So so what was um, – I, I didn't ask you if you're a, a plotter or a pantser, but I know for the readers who listen, they love to know if there were any surprises when you were writing your book. So when you were writing Pharaoh's Forgery, did you think – something was going to happen and something else happened? Did you have any big surprises while you were writing it? So when I started, I started in contemporary and I started in romance line and I was a total panster. I'd come with the characters and then we would go from there and I would just, you know, let the characters kind of weave their storyline around. But when I started writing, um, Isabella's painting for Karina Cardinal, I kind of started that way and I realized I can't do this because I kept going back and I, you know, because I need to leave little red herrings and I need to drop little pieces of information that I would think of down the line and I'd have to go back and rewrite parts. I was like, oh, this is taking too long. It's just, so for all my mysteries, I do plot. I, I spend a good amount of time figuring out where we're going, figuring out, because I have to figure out the time frame, what's happening on each day or each week. Uh, when we're going to be dropping information. And even then, sometimes my, um, thank God for editors, right? Even then, sometimes right. my editors been like, your timeline's off here. I'm going to fix it. <laughs> I have a wonderful <laughs> editor who has who has actually done that. She's like, wait a minute, this happened on what day? You said this was on Wednesday, and now you're on Tuesday. She's like, I'm going to fix your timeline. Why can't it all thank happen in 24 did. hours? <laughs> right. Right. And what a crazy day that is, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Longest day ever. It's like watching 24. <laughs> exactly. So, and sometimes when I write stuff, I know that I get, I need to give a time, I need to give things time for the, the plot or, you know, for realistically, this is how long something would take. I once went on a tour with my, um, my Chesapeake chapter of Sisters in Crime group that's here in the DC area. We went on a tour to a, um, facility that did forensic, um, a forensic lab. And it was funny when we were talking to him and asking him a question. So they, here's the first thing. He planned like an hour for this group and there were probably a, a dozen of us. This was before COVID. And um, I think we were there for three hours and we kept saying, we'll leave. But the guy just loved all the questions we were asking him and, and that sort of thing. And um, so we were, yeah, we were there for about three hours asking all these questions. And so just things like on TV, where we're like, yeah, so on TV, they do a facial match and a facial recognition. And, you know, 10 minutes later or, you know, within five minutes, tink, here it is. It comes up. The guy's like, yeah, that's not how it works. (laughs) So I always try and he, yeah, he's like, you know, maybe you'll get 15 to 20 and then the, then people have to go through and match all these faces and determine which one is the actual match because the computer never comes up with the perfect match. And we were like, you know, well, they never show that on TV. It's just like, tink, oh, there's our perfect match right there. Only one guy (laughs) with like a half blurry, you know, with like, right, with a half blurry picture and everything. Oh, yeah, we have this perfect match. Yeah, no, that's not not the way it works. So I do try, and when I'm incorporating things like that, I do try and give a little bit of a timeline 
maybe it would take longer than I actually created my book, but, you know, at least I'm not doing it five minutes. Oh, here we have a perfect facial match in five minutes. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yes. Our technology is really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Master technology. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, so and sometimes I do your... con- constrict it. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. Well, sometimes we got to make the fiction more exciting than real life. So, you know, you have to take a little leeway. Exactly. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, what was your writing journey like? Everybody always wants to know, did you always want to be a writer? Um, how long did it take you to write your first book? I mean, what what did your journey to being published look like? Um, no, I mean, it's funny. People have asked me that, and the answer was always no. I'm, You know, I never was it was never in my plan to become a writer. Um, I had a different direction that I was going in career through my college, but I always did write. I always kind of made up little stories, even if I didn't submit them. Uh, My mom actually brought out recently, she has these two books that I wrote in third and fifth grade. It was hilarious. It was like Mickey Mouse goes to Mexico was one of them. And they even bound them up because the, the teachers, I guess, did, did a little thing where they bound them up for us. <clears throat> but it never occurred to me to be a writer until I, uh, when I started having kids, I did, I, I quit my job and to stay at home with my kids. And um, then I, my second child is a special needs child and took a lot of my time. So I didn't go back to work. Um, but I needed something to do. So when he went off to preschool three days a week, I had nine hours to myself, which was just incredible. It's like, whoa, what am I going to do with this time? And I started <laughs> writing my first story, which was Poplar Place. And um, that was a total panster. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I'm writing the story. I'm <laughs> typing along the story. And, you know, I know what the climax is. I know who my characters are. And I did develop them and that sort of thing. But and then I started researching, well, what do I do next? And it was like, well, I need to find an agent if I want to get it published. So I went and I started the agent search and I did find an agent and she picked it up. And then she went and searched for a publisher and a small publisher picked that one up. And I was off to the races and I thought, you know, I'll be a New York Times bestseller by next Friday, which right. never really <laughs> happens in reality. I mean, that's lightning in a bottle. It does happen. Don't kid yourself. It does happen. But that's lightning in a bottle. Um, And then it's just been from there, it's been an easy way for me to be flexible enough to be there for my kids and uh, especially my special needs. Um, For instance, when we went on COVID lockdown and everything, um, he needed, he still needs lots of help. And so um, I I stopped writing. Thank goodness I had just finished uh, Pharaoh's Forgery when all that locked down and it sent it off to my editor because um, I pretty much stopped doing everything everything writing and worked with him every single day on teaching. I became his teacher for everything, uh, which is is difficult because I'm not a special ed teacher and he needs certain things. So it it was a bit of a struggle. And um, I was glad in the fall when they made arrangements for the kids to come, the special ed kids to come back four days a week because uh, then I only had to work with him on Mondays because I really am not a professional in that arena. And he really needs those people, that support system. So um, that's kind of why I've continued doing my writing uh, because it creates a flexible work environment 
gives me a creative outlet. And um, I'm able to get to some, well, before COVID, I was able to get to conferences and things like that and meet other people, you know, working in the writing arena. And I just love it. I really enjoy talking and meeting new writers like yourself and others. And uh, so that's kind of been my journey. And now uh, Swindler's Revenge is coming out. The first book was print. First book was published in 2014, and Swindler's Revenge is number 11 for me, I think, somewhere around there. I think it's number 11. So, yeah. Nice. Congratulations. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah. So I was going to ask, but you've sort of answered that. Um, During this time, uh, we always talk about, you know, how has the pandemic in, impacted your writing? Because a lot of writers like to go out to write, and that hasn't been possible. And then the world was on fire, and you're trying to concentrate and write. Um, you know, were you able to write? What has helped you during this time to get words down? So, right. So when the kids were sent home on March 13th, like I have that number tattooed in my head. <laughs> So that was the last day of school for the kids for that, for, for last year. And uh, they were all sent home. And like I said, I, I luckily I had sent off uh, Ferris forgery to the editor and um, I had been working on a short story, which I had also just finished. And in the, in the times when I wasn't working directly with my son, I was able to finish editing that and, uh, you know, get that prepared for, for publication and everything. And then um, I also had a short story. I forgot I had a Create a Cardinal short come out in Mystery Weekly magazine uh, this fall in November. But Oh, congratulations. So for most, thank you. So for most of spring and summer, I was just focused on the kids. There was a lot of stress and strain. And I actually, I didn't know what I was going to do next because my creative valve was like shut off I was just so stressed out by the whole pandemic and I could not think of anything and I was like oh my god am I not going to have any new ideas coming out and luckily um in the fall things started to lighten a little bit when um the kids did start back to school even though it didn't look like what I thought it was my eldest son my senior who unfortunately they were not allowed to go back until recently until about a month and a half ago so he was home all the time, but thank heavens he is super smart because their computer programs and everything. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand half of it. Yeah, he's in like math that I never took. I can't help you, man. You were like beyond me. Yeah, he's taken engineering courses, high AP physics and high math courses. I'm like, I was like, Anything you need with writing and history and government, I'm totally there for you, man. I can totally help you out. This, and it's a good thing that I am because that's the stuff that he struggles with because this other stuff, thank goodness he knows it because I'm not helping. <laughs> he does right, computer science right. too. And I'm like, yeah, there is no way I can help you with that at all. So, you know, <laughs> that looks very different. And also just trying to keep his spirits up because it's his senior year and he's not seeing his friends right. and everything's a mess. Um, But finally, a new idea came to me, and I started working on Swindler's Revenge probably in November and started, came up with the idea and started outlining it, and then it kind of flowed from there. So that'll be coming out on September 1st is when that one will be releasing. I'm just getting some of the marketing stuff ready to go for pre-orders and things. Oh, exciting. 
exciting. So thank heaven that did come to me. Yeah, and the creativity (laughs) did come back because, like I said, I also just wrote this short story about my interview with Grace Kelly and stuff. So it did come back, but it was it's been a very stressful time. And I think it also helps that people are starting to get vaccinated and, uh, you know, that hopefully we're just reopening the world again. But um, I have decided that living through a pandemic straight up sucks and I don't ever want to do it again. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We've been on, on book lights. Every author comes on and says, you know, it's much more fun to read about dystopia than to live in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's uh yeah, and it's funny because you know the kids were like, well, what if grandma and grandpa was like grandma and grandpa? You need to. I was like, I don't even know if your great grandmother. I think she was a baby when they, you know, in the night in what was it, nineteen seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, when they had the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. Right. When the Spanish flu rolled on through, and there have been other smaller pandemics if you read about them, but my parents said nothing like like this. Nothing like, like this. this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Neat. So, yeah. So when you are, when you are working on writing, who do you like to read that inspires you, that fires you up and you go, Oh my gosh, I gotta go. I gotta go write. Do you have any authors, go-to authors like that, that inspire you? You know, I don't. And sometimes when I'm right in the midst of writing, I don't read anything else except whatever my book club has chosen to read. Um, just because I need to stay within my own kind of head and I worry about being influenced by other writers style writing style and I need to just kind of remain true to my my characters and my own writing style so that I don't get uh, dragged away Um, so I don't actually do a lot of reading right in the middle of right in the midst of you know consistently writing the books Um, afterwards kind of when I'm in the editing stage, I'll go and read other mysteries from other writers. And it could be anyone. I mean, I'm not, not specifically one in particular. Um, one of my blogs recently was about uh, women writers who influenced me as I was growing up. And one of them was Elizabeth Peters, who was also known as Barbara, Barbara Michaels. And so I actually went and read a couple of her books uh, while I was writing that blog post just to kind of refresh my memory on her writing style and everything. And so that actually, there were a couple of um, things in it that just reminded me, oh, I need to go back and look at these details in my own books to make sure that I have uh, right. done this in my own books. So it's more, I would do, I would say I'd do it more in the after stages than right in the midst of, of working on it because I don't want to be distracted or that sort of thing. Right. (laughs) But it is nice to read, read an author who really nails it and go, oh, my gosh, this is so good. You know, like you're saying, be sure that you're, you know, hitting those buttons, too. And um, that always inspires me to stretch and, you know, stretch and grow. I think that's cool. Absolutely. Yes, you are. You're absolutely right, Lisa. Um, There are there are a lot of authors and new authors and so I don't want to tag anyone in particular, but they're, they're just a number of authors that I think are fabulous out there. And it's good to see that. Uh, and I like the fact that authors like you and I read other authors. That's, that's the one thing uh, I do notice. Authors read, read, <laughs> read like readers. Yes. So authors, you have to remember are, that. authors are big readers. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So otherwise our books would be are... horrible. <laughs> right. Right. We would live in our own little fishbowl. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So before we before we run out of time, during the pandemic, everyone has been, you know, binge watching. Do you like to watch mystery shows, mystery movies? Do you have favorites that we should be watching? Hmm. Uh, my husband and I just started binging uh, the Sherlock Holmes with Benedict Cumberbatch, and we're kind of enjoying oh, those. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying that. I haven't um, watched it yet, but I've heard about it. Yeah, I'm trying to think um, other shows. I can't think of other shows. Like, um, you know, I, I, I watch NCIS and some of those cop shows and that sort of thing. Um, I'm trying to think what else as far as mysteries that I enjoy watching. I, oh, I love, actually, the new, and I'm excited to hear there's another one um, coming out, the Agatha Christie. They did uh, Murder on the Orient Express, and that was wonderful. I loved it. Kenneth Branagh. Oh, okay. And then, um, yeah, and then they're coming out with the next one, which is going to be Death on the Nile. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, very cool. Well, we mm-hmm. before we run out of time and she kicks us off, how how do you like <laughs> readers to get in touch with you? Are you on Facebook, Twitter, your blog? How, how should people get in touch? Well, I'm on all of them. I have, um, and you can find that from my website, ellenbutler.net. I've got links to Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, I do have a Twitter handle, although I'm rarely on. It's not the best place to get in touch with me. There's a for, there's a form on my website. You can always fill out and reach out to me. Um, and so pro- probably I'm probably mostly on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, perfect. And everyone, go grab Pharaoh's Forgery and look for Swindler's Revenge very soon. And thanks so much, Ellen, for being on today. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.